This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome to Friend of Maryland. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Today on Friend of Maryland, I share some of my favorite items from my 2021 Fatlicious Gift-Giving Guide. I chat with Tierra Conyers, a proud fat queer blurb, and I spotlight a piece from Sarah Robles on what it means to be both an Olympian and part of the obesity epidemic. This is the final new episode of Friend of Maryland for the year. I hope you join us for our special fat holiday music episode next week and that you'll join us again in the new year in February when new shows begin. I am ending this year the way I end all of my years by encouraging people to support fat creators. Each year, I make a fatlicious gift-giving guide that I post on my blog, Friend of Maryland, and I try to disseminate throughout other forms of social media like Twitter and Facebook and my show. So I've already talked about some of the things on the list, but I want to give a fuller rundown here in the hopes that it will encourage all of you uh, to go out and buy something that will support a fat creator and will also make your life or the life of your loved one a little fatter. So I've organized the guide this year into several sections. We've got a section that is for the reader, and that has texts like A Dark and Starless Forest by Friend of the Pod, Sarah Hallowell, and Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson. We have a section for The Scholar, which includes the Handbook of Fat Studies that I co-edited with Sonia Renee Taylor. Get the e-version uh, because that's the one that's affordable. And if that's even too much, reach out and let me know and I can see what I can do. Um, another uh, book that I'm really excited about that came out this year um, is from edited by Heather Brown and Nancy Ellis Ordway, who were recently the guest scholars for a Fat Studies Moo. So their edited collection on weight bias and health education is out. Another section of the guide is for the fatchinista. So I always have something on here from Ishatki. It's where I buy almost all of my clothes. I picked a really cool graphic print jumpsuit this time. I also um, am showcasing something from Infamy Apparel, which is a New Zealand fashion house, um, a lovely um, Pacifica a uh, woman of color named Amy up in the South Auckland area of the country makes gorgeous clothes um, and her 420 duster uh, is kind of to die for. So that definitely made the list. I've got a, a section that I called for the newly inducted into fat politics. So whether that's yourself or someone you love, uh, that includes an e-print about unlearning internalized fat phobia from Ashley Sarua. It also includes a zine from Kirsty Fife. Now Kirsty has done 
a whole lot of uh, fat positive zines over the years. I've bought and promoted all of them on this show. And I think this one, which is called From the Gut, is actually a compilation of of all of those fat positive zines. So if you missed those in their individual publications, here is the time to get it. Um, I've also got the book Bad Fat Black Girl by uh, Salisa Bowen on there. Then there's a section for those who are working and or learning from home, which is a lot of us during this time of COVID. Um, I've got the really fantastic angel candles from Citoen Candles and the Reviving Hilda 2022 calendar from Amy Pence Brown, which I know I've talked about before. For those who are venturing outside and not just staying in, uh, there's a great Tote from Rascal Honey, um, which has my body is not a problem to be solved on it that I think all of us need when we are out doing our shopping. I've also got a new pin from Monster Cliches Etsy store that is Kirby is a fat icon with an image of Kirby. Next up, we've got the For a Fatlicious Afternoon, which contains the Fat Folks Tarot deck that I've talked about previously on the show. Uh, that is currently not available to get, but I've been told that people will be able to reorder in in the new year. Another item that I've put for a great fatlicious afternoon is a new book of poetry called Gumbo Yaya by Arielle Marie. Lastly, to make any space in your home, office, or otherwise more fatlicious, I've highlighted the great belly embroidery done by Dimmy, another New Zealand artist, um, and the Fuck You, I'm Fat stickers that are new from Fugitive Rabbit Shop in Itzy. There's a lot more great stuff on the guide, so if you haven't already checked it out, head over to my blog, friendofmaryland.com, um, and get into the Fatlicious Gift-Giving Guide for 2021. At the bottom of the post, you can find the previous guide, so if you're looking for even more inspiration or even more gifts or even more ways to support the fellow fat community, there's lots of options for you. Today is Tierra Conyers, a proud, fat, queer, blurred, and a thirsty digital creator. She enjoys playing in makeup, thirsting after fictional men, and sharing her mental health journey with others. Tierra, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland. Thank you for having me. So last week I talked to someone related to you without knowing it. Isn't that true? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, who did I? Who, how, what was your relationship to my guest last week? Um, so my relationship to that guest is that I am actually um, her twin sister, um, like five minutes older. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're actually twins. I mean, I love that on so many levels. I can't even tell you that I didn't realize that you guys were related, and I definitely <laughs> didn't realize that y'all were twins. Um, until now. So um, I should have, like, if I had known you were the oldest, the eldest twin, I would have had you on first, obviously. So yeah, I apologize for that, my friend. <laughs> Apologies. It's all good. Um, so, I mean, I have such a really nice time <laughs> chatting with your twin that, uh, you know, it's nice to kind of keep that that great energy going. Um, 
I loved your, you know, the introduction about, you know, like thirsting after fictional men, like who talk, you know, testified in my life, um, <laughs> you know, and I know, you know, from following you online that um, you're also just really incredibly open about like kind of lots of things that you experience. Um, mm-hmm. What's been on the kind of what's been on the top of mind for you lately? Um, honestly, um, a lot of the things that I've been thinking about lately um, when it comes to being like open and sharing my experiences has been a lot of like um, family related trauma, um, just kind of talking about um, or just, so you know, kind of like revisiting, coming to terms with um, trauma I've experienced um, when I was a child or that I just experienced, you know, um, having been in a and grown up in like a, a toxic home environment. Oh, oh, I think you're muted. You know what? I totally was. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of questions and I just want to preface this by saying like, you don't have to like share anything with us that you don't feel comfortable sharing. Like, and I think that you know that, but I want to, I want to go ahead and get that out there just so it's really clear. Um, what would you say? Like, you know, what were the factors you think that were, that contributed a lot um, to that, uh, the traumas and stuff that you experienced within, within the family setting? Um, yes, I would love to discuss that. So, um, I would definitely say, um, like, um, emotional neglect, um, emotional neglect, definitely, um, undiagnosed mental illness, um, very, very common. Um, what else would I say that contributed to that? Um, financial struggles, um, my, my family wasn't necessarily, um, we weren't, uh, impoverished, but we also, um, didn't have like, um, a ton of like financial mobility, I guess. Um, so I think maybe that also too, um, what else contributed to that? I think definitely just the, the mental illness and the emotional neglect, um, that's really, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of cements thing, kind of keeps things right in a, in a place really can foster a, um, an environment that uh, is extremely toxic. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, Tara, would you think like, did you think your size had anything to do with, I mean, obviously not like those larger structural things, but you know, how, how you were then treated, you know, kind of within the family and how your um, concerns or, you know, mental health stuff were then kind of responded to. Definitely. Yes. My, uh, my size was, a, a very large point of contention um, in my family, um, especially when I was a kid, especially when I was um, like in, in early like elementary school. Um, it was very, very, very much a, um, a a large point of contention. What was it? What was it like? I mean, how? What were the ways in which you could tell that you were being treated a certain way or spoken to a certain way because of your size and not for a different reason? Yes, yes. So um, not being allowed to eat when I wanted to, um, not being allowed to have access to foods at certain times, um, which as a side note was hard because I had um, parents that worked um, odd hours. And so, you know, when I'm up and um, needing to eat, they're asleep. And so I can't ask to eat because literally I'd have to starve um, basically and just be hungry until they wake up. Um, so, but yes, having to essentially ask to eat, um, having to like report what I ate, um, 
being um, really just having the food that I consumed um, hyper-policed. I think that's possibly a, um, a common thing for a lot of fat kids. I mean, not to take away from what you experienced, but I can very much mm-hmm. like remember back to my own childhood and a very similar, lots of food policing. I mean, how, you know, my dad still does it now, although he does it a lot less because when he does do it now, he gets fire and brimstone from me about it. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely that kind of the policing of food, the shaming around food. Um mm-hmm was definitely a, a really core part of my own childhood that I then like learned how to eat without being noticed or eat without being seen or how to hide food. And of course mm-hmm. that then, you know, started a really unhealthy relationship with food personally. For mm-hmm. me. Uh, but yes. I, I'd imagine that's probably true for, you know, for a lot of people. Um, you know, Tiara, what would you like, you know, for parents that it's such a tricky thing, eh? You know, because we we live in such a healthist, ableist world that it's so common now for parents, you know, to say something like, oh, I don't care if it's a if it's a boy or a girl as long as it's healthy. Right. Um, and, you know, part of what they understand that to mean, obviously, as the child, you know, grows is to not be fat, you know, because there's so much mm-hmm. fat hatred and, and anti-fat attitudes and stuff. What kinds of, you know, things might you, like, what kinds of ways can we imagine, you know, how best for parents to support and love their fat child rather than, like, being their first concern trolls? hmm No, yes. Um, so a lot of my answers are going to be um, really what not to do. Um, I'm thinking from the experience of, um, of a fat child or of a former fat child, um, and an adult who's still fat and I'm not a parent. So, um, I, I can't provide a perspective, um, of a, uh, of a parent of a fat child, but I just, I can recommend, um, what I would have really enjoyed and really needed to hear and see as a fat kid. Um, so my first recommendation would be, um, do not make your kids count calories, um, or, you know, keep, like diaries and logs of what they consumed um, unless it's, you know, necessary, like it's important to their health, you know, they have some kind of allergy or something. Um, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's honestly very specific, but basically like don't make your kids do stuff like that. Um, it's, it feels dehumanizing. Um, it felt dehumanizing to me to be like eight and, and very, so just very young um, and having to count the calories in like cereal and milk and, you know, bread, the bread I was eating and the cheese and having to, you know, essentially be like, well, you know, there's maybe, maybe my mom should buy this brand because it's has less calories and just have to parse through that as a child, you know, um, it, it almost felt a little like, I'm taking more responsibility than I really need to be taking on um, because I'm a child. I should be worried about things that children are worried about um, like having fun, Um, just, just being creative and everything and not, um, you know, what cereals or what what, um, the health um, benefits of the foods that my, my parents are going to be buying for me to consume. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely like a really basic 
um, very concrete thing that we can say to parents, like, don't do this with your children. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we, we would, we would, we would encourage that for like kids of any size, you know, this is not, you know, helpful or healthy behavior uh, to install on in your children, regardless of size, but we would, you know, expect that unfortunately it might, it would happen more commonly and more often, um, you know, with the fat kids for a, a variety of, of other reasons. Um I don't necessarily know. I'm trying to think, Tara, if I've seen a lot of material that has been written for parents for, you know, how to best parent fat kids. I remember um, Marina Southward. Um, I'm going to, I'm messing up her name really badly here, which is embarrassing for me. Um, but she wrote a piece several years ago when she first became a parent um, and she had been really active in fat politics. And so you know, she wrote about like how she was going to raise her children fat positive and what that was going to mean and look like. But outside of that piece, um, I'm really struggling to think of to think of other things that I've seen. Are you aware of any material that people have put together about, you know, trying to help parents work through their own fat phobic bullshit in order to be able to raise beautiful, happy, fat kids? I, you know, I have not. Um... I have not done a ton of research, but also I have not come across um, just in my own like parsing through um, fat um, like education literature. I have not come across anything directed specifically towards parents of fat children. Yeah, I don't like I said, I don't actually know if it really exists, to be honest, Um, you know, or if it does like where it might be. You know, if you're listening um, and you are aware <laughs> uh, of this kind of stuff, please reach out and let us know. Um, we'd be really keen, um, you know, to, to be able to share that with a, a larger audience, because I do think that this is something that's not being talked about um, really, you know, in, in common ways, uh, common ways kind of as well. Um, Tara, just to move us a little off of that to maybe talk about something a bit happier. Um, what fictional men are you currently thirsting after? if you don't mind sharing with us. Yes, I would actually love to discuss that. Um, So if you go to my social medias, you'll see, (laughs) at least on Twitter, um, that my name on Twitter um, is the Amoral Sugimoto. And um, that's like a, it's like a reference to one of my favorite anime right now called Golden Kamui. Okay. Um, And the, one of the characters' name is Saichi Sugimoto. And... (laughs) Um, his nickname is the immortal Sugimoto. And so like me being the immortal Sugimoto, because (laughs) I like just like openly and happily thirst about these men. Um, He is my um, fifth husband and hopefully the last um, currently. Um, He is just amazing, but he is definitely my like top uh, number one spot for um, good thirsting. That is an amazing anime to watch if you want to if it's for adults um it's not like you know 18 plus or anything but it's um essentially targeted toward adults and it has very nice very beautiful handsome um adult men um with you know varying levels of um himboness um himbology um you know if you will um to just get into um he is honestly like one of my favorites from that series. Um, there's another character from that series. Um, 
named Gejido Tanagaki, and he is uh, probably the number one himbo I've probably ever seen um, come across in my like perusing of anime. So um, those two right there um, have me fed for for months. They have they've had me fed for months through the cold winters. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> and it's important to have something to keep you warm during those those long months of hibernation of winter. So I'm I'm very pleased. <laughs> Uh, very pleased for you that that's been the case. Um, well, listen, Tara, we're just about out of time. So I'm going to thank you for coming on the show. Um, if you would like, like, I'd love, you know, there might be listeners who want to, uh, reach out, um, and thirst alongside you or, mm-hmm. um, maybe talk with you more about resources to develop for, you know, parents of fat kids or whatever it is. How else, like you said, you're Insta, but are there other places online where people can find you? Um, yes. So on Twitter, Instagram, um, maybe Facebook. I might be reactivating my Facebook page soon. You can find me at um, your big sister, which is spelled Y-A-B-I-G-S-I-S-T-A-H. Um, you can find me at all those places. Um, just, you know, talk about mental health, um, thirsting out loud, just being... Um, you know, unapologetic and black, queer and fat. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real chat to, sorry, been a real treat to chat with you today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. spotlight today is a piece from Sarah Robles. The name might sound familiar to you because Sarah is an Olympian for the United States of America. And this is actually something that she wrote on her Facebook page. So it's not a traditional blog post uh, like I normally post, but I follow her on Facebook. And when she published this back in October, I thought it was really important uh, to, to share widely with my network and followers. Quote, fat people don't need to perform health and fitness to prove to you they're worthy of respect and human dignity. I find it fascinating that as an elite athlete, sometimes I get a free pass on some prejudices because I'm being a good fatty. People know I work out all the time and that I'm conscious of my diet and other perceived health markers. Basically, I'm not like other fat people. However, those biases you have about fat people are what people who don't know me automatically have about me. I'm not excluded from being a fat person. It's an interesting dichotomy to be both a world-class athlete and also part of the obesity epidemic. I get told I'm promoting obesity and that fat people like me are bad for society and the healthcare system and all that. Then I get messages from people saying they just got into going to the gym for the first time or signed up for a competition because I inspired them in some way. Anyway, listen to the way your friends and family talk. Check out the content they like and share. It might be a valuable opportunity to see who really loves you, and it might be a good opportunity to educate them on how to think about and treat other human beings. End quote. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Manawatu People's Radio, 999 AM. 
If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, you can email us at friendofmarilyn at AOL.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Closing the show is Candy Kane with Rock Your Body. Rock your baby. fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. 